Shannon, welcome to my pod. This is episode six of the Really Shannon podcast. And you might be wondering why did episode six um, come from after episode seven? And it's because um, seven, eight, nine? I don't know. Actually, it was just a clerical error in the recording and distribution of the last episode. So I um, talked to my producers and editors about that. And we just decided that we'll do episode six after episode seven. So today is a bit of a roundup. I didn't watch a whole season of something to recap for you because I've been very busy being dedicated to two shows that are on the air right now. And that's Dancing with the Stars and The Bachelorette. So if you follow me on Instagram, I'm uh, sort of doing live commentary on the episodes. Basically, I'm watching these shows so you don't have to. And I'll make sure that I give you all of the top highlights in my opinion from the show. And uh, let's uh, break down those two right now and what I hope to see for the rest of the seasons because we're about halfway through through or, you know, 30% through for uh, Dancing with the Stars. So I hope everybody had a great Halloween. Today is November 1st. And so yesterday was Halloween and it was the COVID-19 Halloween. So we did not have a single trick-or-treater, which I was kind of sad about because I was ready and willing to, you know, sanitize my hands, wear my mask and throw the candy to the kids. Um, And actually, Rowald's goal in life was to be the family that's handing out full-size candy bars. And I don't know why I said candy bars. I hate when people call chocolate candy because candy is candy and chocolate is chocolate. But we wanted to hand out full-size chocolate bars. And I said, no, we don't even know these people. We're not buying full-size chocolate bars for anybody. We're getting the fun size and I'm keeping all the leftovers. But um, my favorite grocery store they give away a gift if you spend a certain amount. And so one week we did. And the gift was a box of Halloween chocolates and half of them were full size and the other half were fun size. So, I mean, we were about to make the goal come true without having spent any money directly on it. And uh, no trick-or-treaters. So we have uh, quite a few full-size chocolate bars. Roll doesn't eat dairy. So I will put my work in and... um and take care of those chocolates. Sadly, they're, none of them are my favorites. So um, if I am going to have a chocolate bar, like it's got to be a Mars bar, Twix, um, Crunchy, which is the one with the sponge toffee in the middle. I like that one because it makes your teeth hurt for days afterwards. So you don't forget how good the chocolate was when you ate it. Um I like a matcha Kit Kat. A regular Kit Kat doesn't do it so much for me. It's got to be the matcha. M&M's. Smarties, I'm sorry, they're Canadian, but I don't know. Something about the M&M's. It's got to be M&M's. And arrow. I like an arrow. I like all the flavored arrows too. If you haven't had the mint one or the white chocolate one, I am a freak for white chocolate though. Uh, Cookies and cream is good. But no, that is not – okay, and if you're really hungry, I know Henry will do it. Yeah, I like that. What's in the middle? Nougat? How could I forget? That's their whole thing. They describe what's in it. 
Um, but yeah, so if you haven't uh, figured it out right by now, I love caramel. I like white chocolate. I don't know any chocolates that are white chocolate and caramel. I uh, also love matcha. Um, my birthday cake last week was matcha, and I included a picture of it on the um, episode art for last week's episode, but I didn't get to talk about it because I had recorded the episode before I got the cake, but I did request for my husband to order a matcha cake if possible with vanilla icing. I like that. And so Nat Bakes Cakes made the cake for me. It was so good. I ate it every day. And of course, it was beautiful. If you saw my caption, you know she does the cleanest lines. Like, you you can't figure out where and when the spatula was there. Like, how did how did she do it? We don't know. But beautiful cakes, good to support a small business, and that wasn't even my ad for today. <laughs> so now that we've got all the Halloween talk out of the way, we'll just we'll continue that conversation afterwards. But let's break down these shows. So Dancing with the Stars, I've seen it before. I've never followed a full season, and this is no shade to any of the previous contestants, but most of the time I don't know half of the cast. Okay, so it's like who who are even the stars and what is their incentive for being on the show? And so I was attracted to this season or I was reined in, pulled in for two specific stars. So I'll start by just mentioning Carol Baskin. And there were so many Carol Baskin costumes. Uh, they were all very good. But what made me very sad was no one did Carol Baskin on Dancing with the Stars version because I thought that would have been really good. Um, when she was on the show, her makeup was incredible. Like whoever did it, she looked dewy. She was glowing. Her skin was so smooth. She looked amazing. It took like 15 years off of her. And you know, she works in the sun and outside a lot. So it, she just looked amazing. Um, they did a cat theme dance every week that she was on. And not surprisingly, she wasn't the greatest. She doesn't have any da dancing experience um, at all. But she was really on the show for like a redemption story arc. And this was really the first time I've caught up with Carol Baskin after watching Tiger King, which was at the beginning of the pandemic when we were all watching it. And she was really talking about how her family was affected by Tiger King and her portrayal on it. And actually, I found that kind of sad because, you know, people make jokes or whatever. She killed her first husband and you know, all this, but we kind of forget that she's a real person and she may be part of like some dark stuff when it comes to, you know, tigers and stuff. But that was uh, pretty interesting to see. A uh, very controlled storyline there. And uh, she wasn't the greatest dancer. So she left pretty early on. And then another person that I was very drawn to that I wanted to see on the show was Chriselle Staus from Selling Sunset. I've already done three episodes on Selling Sunset and uh, I had to watch her. I had to see how she was going to do and um, she's got a lot of votes. I'll say that much. She hasn't landed in the bottom at all yet. So how the show works is uh, there's three judges. I'll give you a rundown on them one host this season there previously were two hosts like one on the dance floor and the other one backstage with the couples but now everything occurs on the dance floor there's no additional interviews or reaction moments which i find kind of odd because the show seems so rushed so i don't know where we're losing that time or where we're gaining that time 
because they used to do all these backstage interviews. I remember that. But now the couple just stays on the dance floor, gets their critiques. We go to commercial and then they get their scores. Um, So Tyra Banks is hosting and she's also a producer on the show, which I found out through my various research. The fandom does not like her. They are toxic. They don't think she's doing a good job. They think she makes it all about her um, and that she asks confusing questions. And so I will say that when she does ask questions, she really buries the lead and uh, doesn't ask the question till the very end. And so if, if they only have like 10 seconds to answer, it's hard for them to come up with a good answer to the question. So you kind of just have to like follow what she's saying. And it's probably like, you know, she'll say something like, oh, you know, in your video package, you talked about uh, your daughter and, you know, this and that. How do you feel about writing a cookbook for families. Like it's just so random and you're like, okay, so I'm going to talk about being a mom. No, no, I'm not talking about being a mom. I'm talking about this. Um, so I, I get, I get why people aren't enjoying it. Um, but I think she's warming up as the season goes on and there's no need to focus solely on Tyra Banks because if you're like me and you tune in late every time, because for some reason it starts at 8, which I don't know who decided that 8 was prime time, but it should be 8.30 because that's when I'm ready to watch TV. Uh, so at when, I, when the season first started, I just missed the first half hour straight up and didn't do anything about it. Um, but you can go on their YouTube and see the dances and then you don't really see any of the hosting moments. But what I've been doing now is recording it and then just tuning in later and then fast forwarding through the commercials. But I like to get really risky when I'm fast forwarding and put it on like the absolute fastest and then try to press play as like quickly as possible. So of course I always end up missing like the first minute of the of the return after commercial break. Uh, but that's a challenge that I'm just gonna keep on working towards. I do it on The Bachelorette too, and uh, try my best to hit play really fast. And then sometimes it's the controller's fault, and it doesn't respond fast enough. And so you know, we'll get there. <laughs> I'm never going to tune in on time, though. So if you are watching my live commentary feeds, I'm always going to be about half an hour behind. And normally I'll catch up. I'll save about 10 minutes uh, fast forwarding through commercials. But actually, the commercials is like when I like to like type out the uh, commentary on the videos uh, because I know that not everybody watches videos with sound. So you want to read what it's about. And then maybe if you're enticed by what you're reading, you turn on the sound, you listen to me talk. Maybe you like that. Maybe you tune into my podcast. It's all a marketing technique, you know, but it's also fun. So what can I say? Because I like to tell Rewalt, oh, I'm working right now. I'm working. And then that's when you might have seen my story where he brought me my desserts and my cup of tea while I was quote unquote working. So just, oh, I'm doing research when I'm on my phone. All right. So that's Tyra. And oh, the fandom also hates that she always has uh, costume changes. I'm good with it. I love the costume changes. The one thing that she like seems obliged to do is mention how the show is live and live TV makes me so uncomfortable. I would much prefer if it were edited and we knew when we were going to commercial or we knew when we were getting the scores and there wasn't someone in her ear rushing them and they could just like cut out things that don't work for the show. I would prefer that. But because it's a whole voting thing, I don't know. They can't they can't not do it live. So that's that's another thing like why I probably won't tune into any future seasons unless there is a star on there that I would really like to follow their journey. 
So real quick on the judges, we have Carrie Ann Inaba, also known as CAI. Uh, we have Bruno and Derek. Uh, so Derek used to be the contestant, Derek Huff. He actually performed last week with his fiance at Paso Doble. And after watching him and his fiance, who's also a professional dancer, dance, I was like, oh, that's really good dancing. Because I think everyone's doing a good job. But then you see two pros dancing and it's totally different. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. And it's so long. There's just so much content. Um, like all the steps and everything like that. It's really cool. Bruno, Bruno always starts his critiques by saying something like ridiculous and supposed to be a compliment and then really quickly rushing in with some technical uh, advice or this and that about the specific dance that they're doing. And overall, it's just such like a roller coaster of feedback. And I know like as a manager as well, you know, people will give you the advice that if you are going to give someone a negative critique, you want to like sandwich it and the buns are like good things and the yuck, the, <laughs> the yucky, the, you know, um, pain points or room for improvements like in the middle, like the, the middle of a sandwich. Um, I prefer to just have two separate dishes. If you're going to give me good stuff, just give it all good. And if you're going to give me, you know, a salad, let's just have a salad. Okay, let's not try to dress it up. Don't put any freaking ranch on it. I'm not putting ranch on my dress on my salad. <laughs> Vinaigrettes only, or Caesar. <laughs> and then uh, Carrie. People are upset with Carrie because she's um, kind of harsh with her critiques. Uh, I don't see it. I think she's just like looking for very specific technique moments and you know you got to follow all the rules of dance so if you want to get a good score from the judges you need to follow the rules of dance which is like no lifts in the ballroom dances are allowed and you, you know the toe has to drag and your feet have to be pointed out and like the lines and the shoulders down all of that you need to follow if you want a good score from the judges and you do because that's how the rankings work so the judges give a score and then the audience has to vote and voting closes before the episode ends, which I, I don't think that it's ever been like that before because I remember it used to be like a two-day event and you had all day to vote. I might be thinking of American Idol. But anyway, so as soon as um, you they dance, they get their scores, you know, there might be a commercial break and then you got to start voting for your person and then the combined total, and I don't know if it's 50-50 or what it is. Uh, will lead to a bottom two. And then the three judges have to decide who in the bottom two they want to save. So I think normally they'll save the couple that has had historically the better dances or better technique and are more exciting to watch. That's what Carrie Ann said in her last critique. Um, but it matters what score they get because I think that affects how people vote. If someone's in the top that that's their favorite, they may not vote for them as often or as many times. So you have like 10 votes per person or something. I don't know how the – the voting is very confusing. I've tried to vote, but I'm Canadian, so I'm not allowed. Um but I think, like there's so many variables that makes this very producer driven that it doesn't make sense to me that it's live at all because it depends who goes first in the episode because if you go first or closer to the beginning and you don't do a great job, you know, your fans will rally and rally and 
put a system together and get your votes in. If you do well, they might think you don't need it and switch their vote to someone else. Or if you go later in the show, you'll have more viewers because there's people like me who tune in later and you can't just blindly vote for someone. you got to vote for the person that you've watched. So it seems that the favorites are going kind of in the middle, closer to the end of the episode. But you can't go last because then people don't have the time to vote for you. So I don't know how they're taking into account all of this and they're not very transparent about it. And that makes me believe that Whatever the producers want to happen, happens, especially with the judges save at the end. So even if, you know, a producer fave ends up in the bottom two, they're most likely going to get saved. So the people that are left, we started with 15 contestants and I think we have nine left. So we're at a point where I can, you can make a case for most of the couples to go to a finale. And I'm assuming the finale is three people or three couples. So I'll start with who I think is going home next. And this is not my personal opinion. It's just the fact that there's a double elimination coming up. And they these couples haven't been getting the greatest scores or a lot of the fan votes, actually. So uh, Johnny Weir, unfortunately, he's an Olympic figure skater. And I think he's doing a great job. And I like how um, he is not... He, he's not uh, staying away from being kind of more gender fluid on the dance floor with the costumes, the look. It's not it's not like man, 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 and woman, two, one man, one woman doing this dance. It's two people doing the dance. And I like that because it's very heteronormative, this whole world. And so it's nice to see something that I'm more comfortable with and it's just two people and it's not a guy in suit in dress shoes being men. It's a person, he's wearing eye makeup, but he's in a leotard, and I like that. Um, he's dancing great, but I don't know. I think the votes aren't there. Uh, Jeannie Mai ended up in the bottom two last week, and that's kind of wild because she actually did really well. Um, but I can see what fans maybe don't like. She's just so happy to be there, so excited to be there, and it can come off as, you know, overeager maybe. I don't know. So I don't know how much longer she'll be around. Sky Jackson has the votes. She's got the fans. She's got the fan base. So um, she will probably be safe for a little while longer. But she's had a couple stumbles in her dances. And some people are blaming it on the fact that she's still in like virtual school while doing Dancing with the Stars. And that maybe, you know, she's being pulled in too many directions. Uh, but she's flubbed, I think, three times. And then the last time was like pr pretty bad. Like she f missed like a whole section of the dance. Uh, but she got it back. So, I mean, that was commendable that she actually came back, it got back into the rhythm and then finished the dance. Uh, but... In my opinion, if she ends up in the bottom, I don't think the judges are going to save her because it's just been too many mistakes. And uh, last is Chriselle. Hmm, she's not the greatest dancer, which kind of sucks and is a little bit unexpected for some reason. I thought she'd be really good. Um, but she's with Gleb, and this is the first pro that I'm mentioning because he has a reputation of making overly sexy dances without adding too much actual dance content. And it's very apparent. Like, he does all the dancing and she kind of just does, like, posing. So he's really choreographing to her strengths, which is not actual technical dancing, which is too bad because all of the other stars are getting so much better. 
So in the beginning, they would cheer and be so happy if they got a six or a seven as their score. And, you know, as a first time watcher, I'm like, that's a terrible score. That sucks. But they were all happy about it because it was their first week dancing. But now that they've been dancing for, you know, four or five weeks, we're expecting them to do a lot better. So they're happy with nines and tens. There's been tens given out. There's been a perfect score already. And they get kind of disappointed when they get a seven and they're happy with an eight, like an eight's okay. But back in the day, back in the day, a month ago, if somebody got an eight, they were like going wild. So it's kind of cool to see that progression go on. Um, When it comes to like my personal faves, it's Justina Machado, who I know from uh, Jane the Virgin. And she has her own show as well, which looks really funny. So I might uh, try out watching that. And she's just so good. She's got the energy. She's got the rhythm. She's got the moves. She's got the faces. She has it all. I don't see a world in which she doesn't do well. There's just there's just no way. So what she really needs, though, is the fan base that all of the other stars kind of have because of where they come from. Like, I think her show's on ABC. It's not like we have ABC stands out there gathering around like, let's get Justina to the top. So, I mean, I hope that's what's happening, but I don't think it is. But of course, she's not landed anywhere near the bottom. She's been um, her scores have always been high. So I'm really hoping that she makes it till the finale. My other favorite is Nelly. So Nelly is amazing. Every time he's on the screen, I like light up. I'm so excited to see Nelly. I'm so excited to see what dance he does. He has improved so much. His shoulders were like so hunched up in the first couple dances. And I thought it was just because he was too muscular for this vibe. Uh, But he started to like put them down and figure out what the frame is supposed to be. And it really does look so much better. And his pro, Daniela, is a star. She is so good. And I think she as well is choreographing to his strengths, but still giving him a lot of content. Uh, Now, the fans don't like him as much because they're obsessed with like every little thing. And he has this thing where he doesn't want to wear proper dance shoes. So he actually gets his shoes made by the shoe doctor who turns, you know, Jordans. And I think he's wearing Air Maxes last week into dancing shoes. And I love that. That is so cool. Why do you have to wear, you know, traditional dancing shoes if these ones look cool and get the job done? And it's not a comfort thing. I mean, it is a comfort thing in the way that you look and feel. But Jordans themselves are the least comfortable shoes, like Jordan 1s. If you wear Jordan 1, even 3s and 4s, like they don't feel good on your feet. It's not like, you know, they look good. They look comfortable, but they are not comfortable. You will get a blister. Um, you have to wear the right socks and everything. But he, he I mean, he hasn't worn his Air Force ones yet. So I don't know if we're, wait, we're waiting for for that, Nelly. Um, it was kind of weird the first week he danced to his own song, Hot In Here, and I think they did a salsa. So <laughs> just it was, they do the weirdest stuff on the show. They dance like all these ballroom dances to the most random covers of songs. So for Hot In Here, because he's the artist, I guess they got the rights to it. But all of the other ones are very bizarre covers. They sound like kind of kids bop versions. And then they cut out huge chunks of the song, which I guess makes sense. Like you can't have a whole 
four minute song every time, but I don't know why they always cut out the part that everybody's familiar with and go straight to the bridge. Um, but a lot of, a lot of, a lot of shows do that where they do like the first opening, the verse, a chorus, and then the bridge right away. And, um, not all of us are ready for the bridge all the time. You know, you got to build up to it. You need the two verses first. (laughs) That's my opinion on that. So those are my two favorites, and if they could do an episode where the stars dance with each other, I'd love to see these two dance together and then just win like that. That'd be amazing. The front runners for the show, I would say the least of the front runners is probably AJ McLean, former Backstreet Boy. Well, I guess he's still a current Backstreet Boy. He's already had his BSB moment where the guys were, you know, kind of hologram video videoed in, and they were his backup dancers. Uh, but he's with Cher- Cheryl, who I think is the most famous pro because she's just amazing and perfect. Um, but he's had pretty good choreography. He has the votes and he's had uh, very good scores and as well, really good placement in the episode. So I do think he is a producer fave. The other two frontrunners are controversial because they have dance experience, guys, and none, none of us are happy about it. So we have Hannah, who is a bachelorette and or was the bachelorette and she was on The Bachelor because that's how it works. And she used to do ballet. So, I mean, they're not doing ballet right here, but the practice of being in a dance studio and working and learning choreography, that should all be very familiar to her. So because of that, I mean, she's held to a much higher standard than the others. So her technique is like 100, you know it's great. She's doing really well. But now they want more. They want more feeling, new, more, um, I guess Bruno was saying you have to like attack each move and really have more emphasis. Um, her partner is Artem, who you might know as being Nikki Bella's uh, fiance, and they just had a baby. So as a Bella Army kind of girl, even though I didn't watch when Nikki was on, I am kind of cheering for Artem. But I find it really hard to cheer for Hannah, even though she's Canadian. Like, I, how could I not be cheering for her? But I mean, I'm just not connecting with her. And I know she's one of the most popular bachelorettes out there and people love her. And actually, my friends went to go see like a live taping of her podcast and everything. So she she has the personality, I guess. But I think for this show, she's not the star for me because we have Justina and Nelly. They're, they're, they're my number ones. I can't choose between them. So they're my number ones. But Hannah is going to do well. She's going to make it far. They, she did get a bit of a harsh critique and a lower score. And she's definitely getting graded on a different uh, plane as everybody else. Uh, because of her own personal skill and background. So that's fair. And CAI and Artem used to date apparently like 20 years ago. So everyone thinks that Carrie Ann is giving them harsher critiques because she's still butthurt over Artem. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous? Like, could you imagine? No, she's giving dance critiques and we all, we can all see it. Caitlin is doing the choreography perfectly, but maybe the dances aren't perfect. Maybe that's what the problem is. And then the other frontrunner who is extremely controversial for many reasons is Neve Shulman, the um, host of Catfish, MTV's Catfish. So if I'm thinking correctly, he's the only one from MTV on this season. Um, but he has some uh, – I don't even want to talk about it because their accusations or things in the past about violence against women – 
he apparently got into a fight in college in a bar and he beat this person up and he thought it was a guy, but it was actually a girl. So people are really upset about that. But like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough details about it, but that's a pretty ugly story so far. But the main thing that he's controversial about is that he went to college for dance. Okay? Did you hear? He went to college for dancing. And he's on Dancing with the Stars where everyone's supposed to have no dance experience. Like, how, how is that fair? That's what everyone's worried about. But same as Hannah, he's getting graded on a different plane as everybody else. So it's like... Eh, whatever. I mean, his dances are very good. He's doing really well. Um, definitely a producer favorite, and uh, he's probably going to go all the way to the end. I don't know how he's doing with the voting, but there's no way if he ends up in the bottom that the judges are not going to save him. There's, there's just no way. He hasn't had one negative critique yet. So, Yeah. That kind of makes it hard to root for him too, right? Because it's like, okay, we get it. You're good. It's not all about being good. It has to be entertaining too. And I personally don't find him that entertaining compared to Nellie and Justina, who are the lights of the show. So Dancing with the Stars, very cool show. I watched it, so you don't have to, but you can always catch up on their dances on YouTube. They do some really cool theme nights. They did an 80s night, Disney night. They did a villain's night. It seems like they do this stuff all the time, and the songs and the dance types get reused. Uh, but I'm excited to see how it all goes. Let's go ahead and take a quick break so we can come back and talk about The Bachelorette. ad break so make sure you guys are taking care of your nails you need a nail juice i 100 recommend kly studios nail nail juice <laughs> sorry um so this is my friend kanisha she's running her own business she does nails does mobile appointment appointments but she also makes this homemade nail juice that is so nourishing helps soften your cuticles helps your nails grow I've been using it for a month. I'm loving it. I have not poked at my cuticles at all. I'm still working on not biting my nails, but that's a whole different story. I haven't got a manicure from her because I am a little bit weird uh, about my fingers, especially right now. I'm having a lot of sensory issues, uh, but that's why I like the oil because I can't use creams. I mean, I've talked about this before. Using creams and lotions give me the heebie-jeebies, but oils I love. I love the scent of this one. It transports me, makes me feel like I'm at the salon getting treated. So head over to KLY Studios. Follow her on Instagram at least so you can um, see some really beautiful images of nails because who doesn't love watching that? And that's it for my nail, uh, my nail break, <laughs> my, my ad break. And just so you know, every time I record, I make sure I put my uh, oil on, my nail oil on first. Um, and that way I don't fidget as much with my nails either. Welcome back. Hello, Bachelor Nation. Thank you so much for welcoming me into uh, your clique it is crazy. There are a lot of seasons, a lot of shows, and a lot of couples. And I wanted to come at you with some stats about how many couples are actually still together. Because one thing that I've learned from watching The Bachelorette for the first time is it's so hard to tell who is there to try to get famous or try to, you know, 
yeah, pretty much famous <laughs> and who's actually there for love and who's there for both because you can have it all. And I really can't tell. And it's impossible to tell you how many couples are actually together because I don't know if they actually got together as like the couple at the end of the show and they get engaged or if they met just because they're all in the same universe. And then they started dating because that's how Hannah and her boyfriend dated Hannah from Dancing with the Stars that I was just mentioning. She is not with the guy that she was on the season with, but she is with someone from The Bachelor world. So it's hard to know who's really who with who. And all of the listicles online, um, you have to like click, click, click and read their whole story. And I wasn't about to do that much research because I'm already spending two hours a week watching this show for you guys. And it's a lot. It's it's a lot. So similar to Dancing with the Stars, Bachelorette starts at 8. So I missed the first 30 minutes and I just recently started recording it. Uh, so I missed the whole intro about when we met Claire, but my friends have let me know that Claire is kooky. And I'm not sure what that means other than the fact that she likes to have a moment on TV and she likes giving those sound bites. So she talked about her moments um, when she was on Juan Pablo's season. And apparently, I guess he was like a jerk bachelor. And she really told him off one time. And when she told him off, she kept that dress. And she brought the dress to a date that she's had on her season now. And uh, they burned it. So <laughs> that's a moment. Um, she likes to talk about showing up. That's her thing. She showed up because as long as you show up, you've tried enough. And that's the message that I'm getting. She really appreciated one of the guys who had, you know, messaged her to check up on her before the season started. I think they were all sequestered, the whole cast at this point, uh, before the season started to get ready, you know, COVID testing and whatnot, um, before they were brought onto the show. And, you know, her mother had gotten really sick. So he you know, messaged her just to check on her. And that's against the rules. Now, major spoiler coming up. I'm only watching this season because as I was watching Dancing with the Stars, there were all these commercials for The Bachelorette and it was like the craziest season ever. The most wild thing happens. And I was like, okay, what happens? So I messaged someone on like a spoiler page and was like, can you just tell me what happens? And so apparently, and I watched knowing this and I'm not sure if I believe it, but her and Dale had already been talking before the show and falling in love before the show. And this is not the same guy that checked on her. Okay, so let me just kind of like recap this for you. Everybody, all the guys make an entrance. They come out of the limo, whatever car they want to come out of. They do something crazy. Some guy came in like knight in shining armor outfit, which was so bizarre. One guy like bust through a big paper thing. You know, some of them are just being bizarre. One of them was in a straight jacket. Like, what is that? Oh, well, yeah, I want to marry you now. That makes sense. No, just walk up, say, hi, this is my name. Hope I just had a good first impression. Talk to you later. And then as they walk away from her, she makes like comments about the, them that are like really sexist and weird. And I didn't like that part, but I don't know if she was told to do that. But when Dale comes out of the limo and they say hi, they give a hug and she needed that hug. And then she tells the host, oh my gosh, like I just met my husband. So that really fueled the rumor for me because when I heard that rumor and then I saw that, I was like, she's only saying that to like give them this quote unquote epic love story that's getting captured on TV. It can't, she can't be for real. 
So what I personally think happened was the cast got revealed. She knew who it was. She insta-stalked him like all the way, maybe every single social realized, you know, I like his personality. I like the stuff that he's posting. I like him. Maybe he's like that in person too. And then she met him and she vibed with him right away and was like, okay, yeah. So my dreams are actually about to come true. Like I stalked you. I liked you. I met you. You smell good. Let's get married. There's nothing wrong with that. I like it. I'm okay with that. (laughs) But what was really weird was when this other guy, you know, came and she told him like, oh, thanks so much for messaging me before the show, even though that was against the rules and gives him a nice little kiss. I'm like, okay, so she's okay with saying that he broke the rules. So if her and Dale were really talking, why wouldn't she say the same thing about him? You know, like why not just tell the truth in that regard? So that's why I think my truth is true, but we're actually going to find out this week. And so I'm calling it now. If that's what happens, you guys, you're welcome. I'm psychic. But we are going to meet a new bachelorette this week, which is really exciting. And apparently she's a fan favorite. The fandom loves her. So um, let's just talk about Claire a little bit. You know, I'm not going to spend too much time because she's going to peace out this episode anyways. Um, But she's a joy to watch on TV. She has the look down. Her hair is always perfect, and apparently she's a hairdresser. I would know that if I didn't miss the first 30 minutes of the episode, but of every episode even. Um, She has the perfect lips and perfect teeth, and like the makeup is always right, no matter how hot it gets. I don't know what the temperature is where they are, but everybody is sweating, and you can tell it is very hot because this is even after dusk. So like on the first night, they're in the house, and it starts in the evening, And by the time they're done filming for the day, it's morning. Like, how exhausting and gross is that? I would just be like, I want to go to bed. Like, can I just read a profile on all these people and then give them all a smell? And then everybody who passes that test can stay. I'm sure you can eliminate half of them from then. And it's not just about stink. It's about like that pheromone kind of thing. Like, if you don't like the way someone smells when they're just being themselves, how can you get married? That would be crazy. I don't care. You know what I mean? You have to like mesh aromatically. Um, I wanted to let you know about the house mansion thing that they all hang out at. I thought that they all lived there and maybe slept in one big bed, like a shot at love with Tila Tequila. <laughs> or even Are You the One? I think they slept in one big bed in one season. Um, but no, they don't. So that mansion, actually a family lives there and the bachelor pays for them to like move all of their furniture out for the weeks that they are filming and they do it. And I guess that's what it's like to be rich. Like you can just put all your furniture in storage, go live in your vacation home, even during a pandemic and let them film the show there. And then that way the producers can redecorate however they want. Um, there's a lot of dudes on the show. I think they start with like 30 So there's no way you're going to know who they are. I don't know how she knows who they are when they're like giving out the roses and she knows their last initials. Um, There must be, you know, she must point and be like, you. And then someone's like, oh, that's Zach H. And she's like, okay, Zach H, you. The only one whose name that I can really remember right now is Chasen (laughs) because I love that name. That's amazing. Um, Dale, 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 Dale. Dale and Claire end up making out in her room. And this is how we find out that we don't that they don't live in the mansion because like she has she shows them around like her little apartment where she's living. 
And I guess they all know where she lives because Easy comes and like knocks on the door while they're rolling around, romping around, making out because they've been gone for who knows how long. And that kind of like got me curious. Like when the cameras go away, they all know where each other lives. Are they all meeting up in the middle of the night or something? Like I think that could be some really good drama for this show. Um, But yeah, she was just kind of rude to all of the guys. They were just waiting and waiting and waiting for their group date. And they're sitting around like no one telling them, no one's telling them what's going on. They have no source of entertainment. So they're becoming friends or enemies. Like they're all kind of like, some of them are getting along. Some of them are fighting. And so she just shows up and they're all like, oh, hey, Claire, you're here. I would be like, listen, if you're going to be late, could you at least text or send a note? Like they're sending notes left, right and center. So why didn't she send a note? Um, But I mean, all of this is not going to matter soon because we're going to find out what really went down. And what I think the big reveal is going to be is that she feels such a connection to Dale and he feels the same way and they're just going to run off into the sunset together and then we're going to meet a new bachelorette. So the question is, do the guys stay or do we get new guys? Because as a viewer, I'm attached to some of the guys, but like I said, I don't even know their names, but some of them have had good moments. Um, Two of them got walked off the show, actually. So, you know, there's the one guy who's like, I expect something, I expect better from the oldest batch there is. So when he says oldest, he doesn't say the L in it. And I'm like, what accent is that? Where are you from? But he was mad at her because of the naked dodgeball game. So she made them play strip dodgeball and he thought that was not very appropriate. And you know what? If you disagree fundamentally on things like that, then you should leave. But I don't think that you should be telling someone off. He told her off for 20 minutes and then yelled at her and was doing all that. You know what I mean? I would cry and go home. I would say, don't be mean to me. If you don't like it, then go. There's a bunch of other guys here. I don't need a lesson from you right now. That's what that's what I think should have happened. But guess who came to her rescue and gave her a hug and made her feel better? Dale. <laughs> oh man, I liked I liked when she booted the two guys out. Though the other guy she booted out because uh, he didn't know anything about her, and she was like, "If I'm gonna insta stalk Dale till the end of time, you should have stalked me a little bit." Period. So that's fair enough. I don't have a lot of tea about the Bachelorette. Um, let's just see what happens when it unfolds, and maybe I'll give you a deeper review later. But now I want to turn to another show that I watched this week, and uh, it was My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman. I'm not a huge David Letterman fan, but of course, if Kim Kardashian's on it, then you know I got to watch it. Now, listen, I watched it, so you don't have to, period. You don't need to watch this. If you are a Kim Kardashian West fan, you don't need to watch this. Nothing new comes out. Like I'm trying to look at my notes. Nothing nothing new came out. If you have seen any other interview she di- she's done, it's all good. You know, we find out what pen she likes. She doesn't even tell us the brand. But the stick is that they go to a CVS or a Walgreens, like one of their um, drugstores, Kim and David, and then he's just acting obnoxious up and down the aisles which is fine. And then she's just trying to like keep it together making fun of his phone case, which is a cardboard box. So that's that's fair. That's a good thing to make fun of. Um, they have the interview. He asks her about all of like the plot points of her life that any interviewer would ask. So you really don't get any tea. The one thing that I don't recall her talking as much about is the OJ trial. And he gets her to try to say if 
she thinks that OJ did it or not. And of course, her answer is that she cares too much for his kids to give an opinion about that either way. So I thought that was, uh, she's just so poised, especially talking about all of these controversial things that she's been through in her life. And, you know, he talks about the Paris robbery. Like, dude, there was a whole, there was like three episodes on that on keeping up with the Kardashians. If you wanted to know what happened genuinely, just watch those episodes. Okay. She's done tons of interviews about it. Do we need to still keep bringing it up? Seriously. Um, yeah, so it was kind of like a crash course in all of like the moments in Kim Kardashian's public life that have happened. And we've all seen it before. So nothing really new there. If you want to get tea on the OJ trial, then you got to read Chris uh, Jenner and All Things Kardashians. That was her book that she released like so many years ago before anything even really happened. And she kind of talked about going through that. Now, while I'm talking about Kim Kardashian, it was her birthday recently. We're kind of like birthday sisters, not birthday twins, but we got the same birthday vibe. And she had what I call a uh, pandemic party privilege. We could shorten that to triple P, but I'm not going to because this is a family-friendly podcast. So don't even Google what that is. But she had her birthday party on an island and, you know, very humbly reminded that not everyone has this privilege. And so the internet is going crazy with this information. Uh, she asked her 40 to 50 guests to isolate for two weeks. They probably got a bunch of tests before going and everybody lived on that island for however long the trip was, like things were quote unquote normal again. So she's getting called out for being tone deaf because I mean that level of normalcy will never be normal for anyone else. Uh, Like flying to a private island with all of your friends and family for your birthday, that's not normal to a lot of people. However, However, okay, not not defending this action because it is pretty gross, but there are some YouTubers that I follow out there who are traveling for contents for their YouTube channels. And so when you're a content creator and when your business is putting out there these images and this vibe, then where do you draw the line? Like, yes, this is a birthday trip, but this is also work. All of the photos that they post, all of the captions that they post, hashtags, this and that, that's their business. And they are selling a product and it's not their personal lifestyle being available to you, but it's this image of glamorous. And if you don't subscribe to it and that's not the content that you're looking for, then it's just as simple to unfollow and mute everything Kardashian. But if that's the escape that you're looking for in these unprecedented times, then, you know, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say. Like, do I enjoy taking in that content? I guess, like, I like to see what the latest fashion for ridiculous bikinis is. Um, You know, they always have different looks going on, and they could just as easily do all of that at home. Uh, But just watching the luxury happen, as gross as it is, is enjoyable to me for some reason. So I can't hate. What I can hate on, though, is Kendall's birthday energy. 
because she doesn't have everyone quarantine for two weeks and then fly them all out private to a private island where they're only in contact with each other. But she has a party at some type of restaurant club, a birthday cake that she blows candles out on, and nobody but the servers are wearing masks. So... I mean, the privileged, the elite, they're living on a different level than us, for sure. They're in a different universe than us, and it can be triggering for people. So for those people, I would just suggest like unfollowing TMZ, all of those, you know, Perez Hilton, all of those like um, celebrity stalkers, even me, I would just unfollow me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I would follow me more. But you know what I mean? Like if that content is triggering to somebody, then I would, you know, unfollow it completely. I don't think the Kardashians are going to solve all of our problems by giving away all of their wealth. Do I think that they do make a lot of donations? Yes. Kim has raised so much awareness about Armenia. She's donated a million dollars of her own money to the Armenia Fund. You know, she's doing what she can. She talks about prison reform. She seeks justice for people. She's doing all that. Does she deserve a vacation? Yes, we all deserve a vacation every now and then. It just depends on what you think that vacation should be. And should it be like however million dollars she spent on that? I mean, if that's a percentage of your wealth, that's not, I mean, that's not her problem to solve the wealth disparity in uh, North America. But does she have to flaunt it so, so obliviously? Obviously not. She tried to say she was humble about it. She tried to put this caption, but everyone's just making fun of it. So, of course, she does what she does best and turns it around and says, okay, now that I have your attention, vote, period. I'm using my platform for good. How do you like that? So, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. She's going to keep making mistakes. Her publicist, everybody in her life is a yes man, it seems like. I mean, she had that whole kimono um, controversy when she named her brand kimono like totally disregarding the culture but it's all learning for her it's all a stepping stone to learn more so i don't know why what it is in me that connects with kim kardashian so much i feel so alike to her that i i don't know what it is i i'm the star of my life i guess no i don't know but the men just seeing kendall's party in comparison and i was just like no you're bad you're wrong and it's tough you don't know what anyone's going through you don't know what kind of protocols they have in place all i know is that i wouldn't be comfortable at that kind of party but i would be comfortable on a private island so hard hard to say hard to say uh that was my lifestyle portion of it you guys um pandemic parties are no joke if you can mask mask if you can be outdoors be outdoors and if you can do it virtually do it virtually i'm trying my best to stay responsible i have a little girl she can't wear a mask yet so whatever situation i find myself in i need to be sure that no one there has covid and that's impossible it's impossible to know who has it and who doesn't have it um I did not want to talk about the pandemic at all in my podcast. This is an escape from reality, you guys. This is reality in a, a whole other way, um, but I had to because it's so topical, it's so important, and I uh, wanted to be clear on my stance. Hope that was clear enough for you guys. So thank you so much for tuning into episode six of the Really Shannon podcast, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to episode eight. Eight. I have something very special coming for you. Bye.
Really, Shannon.